wouldn't you like to know what a top real estate coach is telling his clients, in other words, agents, about what to focus on in 2023? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Steve Schell, who is a real estate coach to top producers, about what he is talking to his clients, in other words, agents like you, about what to do and what to focus on this year to help have a successful business. Before we talk to Steve, just a couple of quick reminders, please support our sponsors. They keep the show going and we would appreciate that you check out their services and products. Uh, they're always you know, companies that we feel very strongly about, best in class. So please check out, support them because they support us. And then another way that you can help us is just by telling one other realtor about this episode. Think of one other agent that really would love to know what coaches are telling top producers and send them a link. You can send them right over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode can be played right in, the, in someone's browser or if the person listens to podcasts, they can just pull up any podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, hit that subscribe button. So anyway, enough about all of that. Let's get to the main event, my conversation with Steve Shaw. Today on the show, we have real estate coach and author, Steve Shaw. Now, let me tell you more about Steve. Now, Steve has been coaching real estate agents full-time since 1993. And from 1991 through 1993, Steve sold residential real estate in the Fullerton, California area. In his first year with his partner, he closed 53 transactions. I mean, that's incredible in and of itself. In Steve's second year, he was on pace to sell 100 homes when he came up with the idea to create a coaching program that marked the beginning of his real estate coaching career. 
And in 2007, uh, Steve was one of the founding partners of TELUS Properties. He helped the company open four offices, Beverly Hills, Brentwood, Newport, and Pasadena before leaving in 2012. Steve has coached hundreds of agents to help them shorten their sales cycle, make more appointments, and close more contracts. We should also mention that Steve is a former Miami Dolphins linebacker. Uh, and on top of all of that, Steve has a brand new book. He's an author. His book is called The Full Fee Agent. It is uh, it is available everywhere books are sold, especially on Amazon. And in particular, right now, it is number one on Amazon for real estate sales. Again, The Full Fee Agent. We will have links uh, to the book on uh, in, in our podcast show notes. And also please visit Steve's website, which is about coaching for real estate agents, which is called performancecoaching.com. Again, performancecoaching.com, link to that as well in the show notes. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited to uh, to speak to you. And boy, you're, you really are quite a Renaissance man. You've, you've done a lot. Um, and I'd love to start all the way at the beginning of, of your real estate journey. Um, but let's, let's, well, actually let's go back. How did you get it or how, and why did you get into real estate? I guess. Uh, it was, you know, it was an absolute fluke, uh, grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, uh, went to the college of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. And I was fortunate enough to uh make it with the Miami Dolphins in 1980 I was a free agent and uh played 4 years in the NFL before a knee injury ended my career from there I went back and got my MBA at the University of Miami and the University of Miami one day they had those career days that they have in college and some young kid comes in from Goldman Sachs and gave his little talk. And I said, whatever he's doing, that's what I want to go do. I want to be a banker. <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, didn't, didn't make it with Goldman Sachs. Um, I did land a job with uh, a Citibank investment group and uh, went to work on Wall Street and spent a f about five years on Wall Street. And from there, uh, certain circumstances landed me out in California into the world of real estate. And I was uh, attending Mike Ferry seminars. Sure. And um, I listened to this interview that Mike had done with two agents in Long Beach, California, Kim and Daryl Rouse. They were in their second year of business. They were on track to sell a hundred homes. And I was listening and I got it. Real estate is a progression. Contacts equal leads, leads equal appointments, appointments equal listings, listings equal sales. And that made sense to me. I partnered up with an agent uh, who'd been in the business 10, uh, 10 years or so, you know, very capable, knew the contract. And she was doing about 10 or 12 deals a year. And we partnered up. And as you mentioned in our, our first year, this was 1991. And and for anyone listening, you've never been through a real estate market like back in the early 90s. It, it, it was terrible. Uh, I was about nine months in, 40 listings, no escrows. That, that'll give you an idea wow. of what the market was like. A multiple offer 
was a buyer writing multiple offers on different properties to see where they could get the best deal. Right. And, you know, if you got a listing sold in three months, that was fast. And yeah. so a very different environment. Anyway, we ended up doing uh, closing 53 deals in that first year. I was door knocking 200 doors a day, calling. Well, let, let's pause. I'm going to pause for a second. You were door knocking two. An ex NFLer is door knocking 200 doors a day. That is, that is the very definition of uh, perseverance, hard work, um, discipline, and 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 humility. Right. That that's a that's a humbling thing to do, and not an easy thing to do back then. Well, I was lucky in a way. I was given the way it was presented to me. You had four options. You could knock on doors, cold call, call expired listings and for sale by owners. Those way it was presented. Those were your four options. Right. And back up, you know, I got in real estate to make money. You know, I, (laughs) I got in real estate to sell houses. And so I was looking, okay, what are people doing to sell houses? And as I mentioned, Kim and Daryl Rouse, and they were knocking on doors and they were calling expired listings. So I wasn't going to cold call. That was, that, that wasn't happening for whatever reason for sale by owners. I had no interest in that. And so by default, it was knock on doors and expired listings and be very clear. Nobody wants to knock on a door. Nobody. <laughs> and however, from a sports background, it's not about your feelings. Right. I, I played football for 11 years. There's not one single day I ever wanted to go to practice. Right. You and, didn't want to run the bleachers, but yeah. you had to run the bleachers. Yeah, you, so, you know, my feelings, what I wanted to do had nothing to do with it. And right. so you know, I started with 25 doors a day. And when I got consistent at 25, then I bumped it up to 50 and then 50 to 75 and ultimately got up to 200 doors a day. Wow! And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what I did. And, uh, in our second year, we were on track to sell a hundred homes. And I just said to myself, what I did with my partner, Cynthia, because basically she knew real estate in, in that two years, I didn't know anything about the contract. I filled out one listing agreement once. Outside of that, I had no clue. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not encouraging you to not know the contract. I will say this, though. I didn't let anything get in my way of selling houses. And I don't mean being unethical or dishonest. Sure. I I, I didn't look for obstacles. So anyway, after... Um, in my second year, when we were going to do 100 deals, I said, I think what I did with Cynthia, I can do with other people. I went to Mike. I said, I have this idea. He said, great. And we went and did a program in Las Vegas at a Caldwell Banker office. And we signed up nine people that day for a program that we didn't have. And then we went to San Francisco. And at that program, uh, a mini, what do you call it? A mini retreat, I think it was called. We signed up 90 people that day. And so I had to go back from that program and create, okay, what are we doing with these people? <laughs> we got to deliver now. <laughs> I got to deliver. And so in the beginning, it was a 15 minute phone call every other week. 
$100 a month. That was the cost of the program. Mm -hmm. And I created this fax form. Again, back then there was, you know, the, the cell phones were just coming into existence and uh, there was no email. So I, I created, created a report that people would fax in every week, you know, contacts, leads, appointments, and I could monitor what they were doing. And uh, I did that with, with Mike for about three years from 1993 to 96. Uh, when I left, we had about 2000 coaching clients I had nine people coaching underneath me. And that's where, you know, prior to this real estate coaching did not exist. You had trainers yeah. out there doing programs and workshops and creating, uh, you know, cassette programs, not even CDs yet. Sure. And so anyway, this was this, so this was the first coaching program. And uh, after 1996, I left. I opened up my own company, performance coaching. Been coaching full time ever since. I counted it up the other day. I've logged over sixty thousand hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching. Wow. Uh, so if uh, the ten thousand hour rule is in effect, I've I've got six times that going on and you're, uh, you're the beetle the beetles of coaching there you go and in 2007 myself and two partners uh opened up a real estate company tells properties out here in southern california and i did that for five years and then went back to my coaching practice full time so that that's kind of my story real estate getting in that's it's one heck of a story and one of the names you mentioned early in your story was Mike Ferry. And I feel like he doesn't uh, get as much of his due today as, as maybe he should um, because he was a very, and is a very important person in the coaching space for real estate. And um, uh, so if anyone out there isn't familiar with Mike Ferry, you really should get familiar with his material. He's got wonderful material. And um, anyway, so I I have a question. So I was just at a uh, an association event. I'm on a, the marketing committee, and we were talking about next year, 2023. Um, there's about 20 of us on this committee, and we're trying to create programming for the realtors here in our local market to create programming to, for them to you know be successful for next year. Obviously, um, it's a particularly tricky time I think for a lot of realtors we have you know of course interest rates are are not in their most perfect uh, place for a lot of buyers uh, of course inventory is also on on in short supply in a lot of markets so I'm curious uh well I, I'm sorry backing up a moment I was talking to the members of my com the committee I'm on and everyone is really nervous about 2023 they, they have buyers that are sitting on the sidelines um they have you know, this, this inventory shortage curious on, on what you're telling agents today to help keep them in the right mindset, you know, for 2023, like what, what, what are, what are you talking about these days? Uh, the first thing I want to bring up is no one. And I mean, no one has the ability to predict the future. Nobody. And you read the headlines all day long and you have all these people forecasting this, forecasting that. I worked on Wall Street. I worked at, uh, part of when I worked there was, I was at Solomon Brothers. Hmm. And every year, every company, their economist would give their prediction for 
the upcoming year. And we had we had a very renowned economist, Henry Kaufman. And what I noticed was every year, every big shop had their prediction. And every year, one guy got it right, or one person got it right, and everybody else got it wrong. Yeah. Then the next year, everyone would flock to the person who got it right. And the next year, they would get it wrong, and someone else would get it right. <laughs> And, it, it, you know, so let's be very clear. No one has the ability to predict what's happening. And all of us think back to the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, that was the end of the world. I can remember sitting there in my seat going, the first thing that's going to happen is everyone's going to cut out personal coaching because nobody has any money and nobody can do anything. Right. And and every real estate agent was thinking they would never sell another home again. And the pandemic turned out to be just the biggest boon in real estate that nobody saw coming. So right. first of all, we do not have the ability to predict the market. More importantly, we don't control what the market's going to do. We don't control what buyers and sellers are going to do. The market is the market, period. And no matter what kind of market there is, life is still happening. People are still being born. People die. People get married. People get divorced. People get a new job. Kids move in. Kids move out. Life happens. And the things that trigger buying and selling are usually life events. What's going on right now, in my opinion, is we're just in a wait and see period of time. We, we have never experienced a market that we just came out of. That was, that was insanity, what was going on. And, it, and everyone kind of got used to, you know, that being the pace. That's not the pace. That's not the pace, just like interest rates. Right. When I bought my first home in 1981, my mortgage was 18.6%. Right. So... And where we are right now, six or seven percent, we're right at midpoint for the past 30 years where, where interest rates have been. So, yes, compared to where we were, things seem terrible. However, it's not so bad. Anyway, we're in a wait and see, in my opinion, a wait and see place. Real estate is not a priority for many people right now. And who knows what the new year is going to bring. So that being said, stop worrying about the market. Stop listening to what anyone says about the market and do your job, your yeah. J-O-B. That hasn't changed. And we can get into whenever you want what I think your job is every day. Yeah, I, I do want to get into that. And I think I think you're right, you know you come from an athletic background, which is, Hey, rain or shine. We gotta, gotta hit the, hit, hit, hit the, you know, hit the gym or, or, or hit the, 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 you know, the field um, we're practicing regardless. Right. And, and so there's a certain amount of keep the blinders on, stay focused, do what you're supposed to do. Um, and, and then, you know, hopefully the results will, will fall your way. Um, but let's, let's talk about that. What it, this is, this is, a, I'm really glad you said that. What is the job of a realtor, a day-to-day -day job for the, for a realtor? And let me just say, 
these are my opinions that I'm sharing with everybody. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm certainly not saying I'm the only person in the world who knows anything. I'm just sharing what I think. And over 30 years of doing this, my thoughts have evolved. When I started out in this business, it was all about prospecting. That, that, that's how I got into it. That's what I did. That's what I coached forever. Where I am now is now I understand this is a repeat and referral business. That's what it is. And in my opinion, and this is what I coach to, I coach people to build a repeat and referral business. And, and what I boiled it down to, A, first of all, we're not in control of anything that goes on in the external world. We don't control, and again, this may go totally against the grain in what everyone thinks. However, we have no control over how many homes we sell in a year. The only hmm. thing we control is what we do each and every day. Yeah. I was listening to an interview the other day, a young track superstar. His name is Noah Lyles, 25 years old. He's the world champion in the 200 meters. And he was talking and he said, world records don't get broken when you're ready. World records get broken when the day is ready. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say, a lot of things have to line up in a very specific way. And most of it has nothing to do with you. The weather's got to be right. The wind has to be right. The track has to be right. The lane position has to be right. The crowd has to be right. The energy, all these things that are not in your control. And, and what he was basically saying was, you've got to be ready every day. Because when the moment is ready, you got to meet the moment head on. And one of the things I say in, in my real estate coaching is, Every deal you do is a miracle. Every single deal you do is a miracle. And every single deal you do comes from left field. What does that mean? It comes from the unknown. Mm -hmm. I no longer, and again, this is probably where I go way against the grain, goal setting, absolute farce, business planning, the way it's taught, absolute farce. And just think for a second. You go through this exercise every year, all of you who are listening, I'm sure you do. Your manager's tapping you on the shoulder. We need to get together where there's some program in the office being offered or, you know, you know, everyone is being conditioned. Set your goals and write out your plan. What's reality though, and how do I know this? Because A, I taught all this nonsense forever. And B, what, what do I find every year? By January 31st, you no longer are paying attention to the goal and <laughs> your plan is long gone by that time. And, and then, you know, you get to the end of the year and you go back into the drawer and you pull it out and you dust it off and, you know, rinse and repeat. So what, what you do control is what you do every day. Yeah. And over 30 years, I've boiled it down to six, core building blocks. And this is what I coach to every day. And you're in control of all six of these things.
And so no matter what the, the market's doing, because you have no control over that, you do have control of what you do every day. The core building block is developing a mindset of harmony. And I think about the word mindset. What is your mind set on? That's how I look at mindset. And where I've come to, and a lot of this developed out of uh, the readings of the, the writings of Michael Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul, The Surrender sure. Experiment, and Living Untethered, is we want to be in harmony with what's happening, not fight what's happening. Yeah. And all of you, your, your entire life, you've been programmed and conditioned and brainwashed in a certain way to believe that you can make things happen, that you can make things happen. And I want to challenge each and every one of you. If you can't change the weather, <laughs> if you can't change the weather, how do you think you're going to change what happens in life? Because life is way more bigger than just the weather. And so when I talk about a mindset of harmony, what I'm saying is, rather than trying to make things happen every day, which all of you are doing, and you've been conditioned, it's not your fault. Learn to give your highest and best to what is happening. So again, it's not about trying to make something happen. We, we go through life thinking the key to a better life is getting more of what we want and avoiding what we don't want. Well, again, this is complete and this is absurdity that we can get what we want in life and we can avoid what we don't want. Newsflash, what's happening in your life is the result of natural forces interacting for 13.8 billion years. Right. Whatever is happening, that's what's happening. None of it is personal, although it feels that way. However, it's not happening to you. It's simply happening. And all of it is temporary. So the first building block is getting your head on straight every single day. That sets the foundation. The second building block is time blocking. And the time blocking is about prioritizing your time, doing what's most important. Agents struggle immensely with time blocking because as an agent, and I'm sure you've been through this exercise, creating your ideal week or your perfect sure. week, mapping out your schedule. And where there's nothing wrong with that, where it goes wrong for each and every one of you, you think the way time blocking works out is the world is going to conform to your schedule. Right. It never does. Right. If the world doesn't conform to your schedule. Then you go, well, this stuff doesn't work. You know, that I had this to do and they wanted to do this then. And I had to, I had to go now. No, that's not time blocking. Time blocking is if it's in your schedule, you do it. End of story. Yeah. End of story. So it's about making a commitment to doing what you think is most important. For me, time blocking has been part of my life forever. In sports, you have practice and it happens at a certain time. 
And you have to be there on time, whether you want to be there or not. And if you're not on time, you get fined or you worse, you get cut from the team. And when I got into the, when I got into the NFL, or let's go back first in college, you have class schedule and you have to be at class at a certain time mm-hmm. This is before everything went online, obviously. And, and when I got to the NFL, we had a schedule, we had a Monday schedule, a Tuesday schedule, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday schedule. Every Monday to Monday was the same. Tuesday to Tuesday was the same. And you had to be where you were supposed to be on that schedule. And so that is in my DNA, in my coaching practice. I am booked from five in the morning to seven at night, back to back, half hour appointments. I love it. And why I love time blocking so much for me, it's total freedom. Everyone goes, what freedom? What do you mean? Freedom? There's no freedom when you're time blocked. I look at it differently. When I wake up every day, when I wake up every day, I never have to worry about what I'm going to do today ever. It's right there in front of me. And remember the more we, there's an inverse relationship between thinking and doing. And this is where realtors get all messed up. They spend most of their day thinking about what they're going to do. And because they're thinking about what they're going to do, they don't do a whole heck of a lot. Right. And remember, worrying is not the same thing as work. So I'm a big believer in time blocking. And you can create your schedule any way you want. It starts with when you map out a schedule, it starts with your day off. And this is where it breaks down immediately for all real estate agents. I'm a firm believer that you need at least one full day off, if not two or more. And that's a set day. It's every week. And a day off means you're not checking voicemail. You're not checking email. You're not checking text. And you have a message on your voicemail, with your email, with your text, basically saying, I'm unavailable today. I'll be uh, returning all calls, messages the following business day. So in terms of mapping out your schedule, first thing is your time off. The next thing that comes out is your personal time. You have kids, you have obligations, whatever. You've got to map all that out. Then you set a, an, a start time to your workday and an end time to your workday. And you don't start work before the start time and end time no later than six or seven, you're done. That leaves your workspace. And I only need one appointment every day. And that is the next building block. And that is your CRM appointment. And I ask for one hour every day, five days a week. So the mindset of harmony, time blocking, the third building block is CRM. And again, over 30 plus years, I've come to the realization when we do an analysis of everyone's business at a minimum, 50% or more of their business is repeat and referral. Many cases, it's 70, 80%. Some some of my top clients, it's 95% or even higher. It's repeat and referral. And so 
knowing that we're trying to build a repeat and referral business, your CRM is your most powerful business building tool. And CRM is one of the things that's most misunderstood and abused in real estate. It definitely, it's, it's um, when I, when I have conversations with agents who are thinking about joining our company, I, I don't even like to use the word CRM because it's just so loaded with, oh. with meaning, but it's not really defined by anybody. Everybody has their own definition. All right. I want to pause for a moment to talk about our episode sponsor, our one of my favorite companies out there, Follow Up Boss. Now, after interviewing hundreds of top realtors in the country for this podcast, do you know which CRM is used by more than any other by our guests? Of course, it is Follow Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the U.S., uses Follow-Up Boss, and he has built a $1.5 billion business in just six years. Follow-Up Boss integrates with over 250 systems, so you can keep your current tools and lead sources. Also, the best part, they have seven-day-a-week support, so you'll get the help that you need when you need it. And get this, Follow-Up Boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering Keeping It Real listeners a 30-day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And oh, yeah, no credit card required. So you can try it risk-free, but only if you use this special link. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with Follow Up Boss. And now back to our episode. In the past, CRM has been a dumping ground. That's how people have used it. Just dump everything in there. And then, you know, send out an email, email blast to the masses and hope and pray someone responds. That is not CRM in any way, shape, or form. CRM is, it, it boils down to three things. One, you have to get the right people in your CRM. And we define the right people by the people that you're committed to being in a relationship with. And the yeah. minimum definition of a relationship is you're willing to call, call, not text, not email. Yes, I am old school and millennials, you know, the heck with you. Anyway, you have to call at least every 90 days, every 90 days. Imagine all of you, imagine if everyone in your CRM, if it got to the point where they were expecting a call from you every 90 days. And when you didn't call, they were surprised. Imagine how that would transform your business. So the first thing is get the right people in, organized, grouped, and tagged in the right way. And this is something we do in, in, in coaching. The second part of CRM is making sure everyone's set up on a contact plan yeah. at a minimum every 90 days. And then the third part of CRM is what I call get your dashboard down to zero. Every day when you turn your CRM on, it gives you a list of people to call and a list of things to do, assuming you programmed it right. And getting your dashboard down to zero during your CRM time block is making the calls and doing the tasks. Quick quick question. Sure. So we we have our list. We're calling our, we're, you know, this is a great time of year. 
um, by the time this comes out, it'll be early January. So we're going to be, um, it's going to be a, a little bit slower. Agents are going to be thinking about their CRMs uh, and how, what the communication policy for their business should be for 2023. Um, you just gave a great blueprint every 90 days, pick up the phone, reach out to your, you know, the people that you want to be in relationship with. Um, question, what are suggest, what are some suggestions you have about content? When, when I, when I make these phone calls, what am I saying? Okay. Everyone take your notebook out because this is really complicated. What you say is hello. <laughs> How are you doing? All it is, it's, it's no more than a checkup. It's yeah. no more just checking in. You are not, again, my opinion, not saying I'm right. This is what I coach to. I'm gonna I'm gonna say everything you say is right. So you don't have to say that any longer. I've I've deemed everything you said as gospel. So go right ahead. All we're doing, we're not there to talk real estate. We're there to check in human being to human being, see how they are. If if they've got something going on in their life, if they're thinking about buying and selling, then they're gonna bring it up. They're gonna go, yeah. I can't believe you called. We're thinking about this or we're thinking about that. And by the way, everyone, the technology is there. If I set my CRM right, and based on certain CRMs, I can actually be looking at my mobile app and watching everyone who's in my CRM to see if anyone's on the web. And so every day I can do this. And right. imagine, here I am, so I see so-and-so searching for homes on my mobile app, and they're in my CRM. And I call them up out of the blue and just say, you know what? I happen to be thinking about you. I'm just curious. How are you doing? And they're going to go, oh, my God, I can't believe you called. We're actually thinking about X. That's the technology. And this is, you know, this is not complicated stuff. It's available with, with, with every uh, CRM program. So anyway, there, there, there's, there's ways to use technology to really be on top of people. Getting back to the question you asked. It's just simple. Hi, I'm checking in. So hi, basically demonstrating that you care about somebody else, finding out what's going on in their lives, not have, you don't need, if if I heard you correctly, you don't need to ask them about, uh, Hey, uh, are you ready to buy or sell a home? Because of course they are going to be thinking of you anyway. You're just checking in to make sure that they know that you're thinking about them. Almost every real estate agent has been taught a to have a transactional orientation. Yeah. Meaning what you're doing every day is you're chasing a deal. You're chasing a dollar bill. It's your whole focus. Instant gratification, instant gratification. You live in the world of chasing, conv uh, chasing convincing, and closing. That is your life. And what you don't real realize, you are turning yourself into a commodity. In fact, every force imaginable in this business is conspiring to turn you into a commodity. So when you're in this transactional paradigm way of thinking, then it's all based on value. And I've got to show my value. I've got to show that I have more value than someone else. And I do that by convincing with fact, logic, and reason. Let's be very clear. This is the hard way of doing business. 
Now, some of you listening have gotten really good at doing things the hard way. That doesn't mean you're doing it the best way. So don't confuse with don't confuse results, either good ones or lack of results with what you're actually doing, which brings up another point. In my coaching, it's not about how much business you do. It's what's more important is how you do your business. Because one of the things that I've seen that I've seen clearly and most of my clients are doing over 100 million in sales a year, some over 250, 500 million. I had a couple of clients last year do over 750 million. In the next couple of years, I'll be coaching people doing over a billion dollars. The you know, production has skyrocketed. However, what I can tell you with absolute certainty, what more equals, and all of you are out there, you know, why do you get on this podcast? Why do you do anything? You want to sell more homes. You want to sell more homes. Well, let me tell you what more equals. More equals more stress. That's what it equals based on the way you're doing business now. I'm not saying more is bad. It's how you achieve more. And the, when you're in that chasing, convincing, closing, transactional, value-based, convincing-based paradigm, what more equals is more stress. What I would coach people to do is move from a transactional orientation to a relational orientation, from value-driven to trust-based. People are choosing you because you have positioned yourself as their trusted advisor. So when we're checking in, we're being that trusted advisor. We're not trying to sell anything. We're just making sure they don't need anything. And then... Uh, and, and the relational orientation, this is what in the book, it's called tactical empathy. This is what the book is about. I wrote it with Chris Voss. It's called The Full Fee Agent. Chris is the best-selling author of the book, Never Split the Difference. Yeah. Sure many people have- Famous, famous, famous book. Right. And what, what happened there, one of my clients, uh, Chris was doing a book signing out in Malibu. One of my clients went, got a copy of the book and gave me the book. And in one Saturday afternoon, I started reading the book and I had my lightning bolt moment. I have my sports background, all about goals, all about plans, all about fact, logic and reason. I know I've written more script and dialogue than any human being alive in terms of real estate. And every one of my scripts was all about fact, logic, and reason, leading people to an inescapable conclusion. And in reading Chris's book, first of all, the title is what drew me in, never split the difference. What does every realtor do in every single transaction to get a deal done? They split the the difference. difference. (laughs) Splitting the difference is the lazy man's way of doing your job. And when you're splitting the difference, yes, you may close the deal. What you don't know is you're killing off your repeat and referral pipeline because compromise is never equal. If I'm splitting the difference, and let's say it's a $20,000 difference, and I'm giving up $10,000, in my mind, I'm giving up $20,000. They're only giving up 10. So it's not equal. 
It's not equal. So yeah, the deal closes, but guess what? I feel like I got a bad deal. I feel like my agent wasn't my advocate. I feel like my agent sold me down the river. Right. And that's why you have that NAR statistic. You know, would someone at the end of a deal, would someone recommend you 80% say yes. And only 20% do you're killing off your repeat and referral pipeline when you split the difference. Anyway, the point that came up in the book for me was in that aha moment is the reality that you cannot overcome emotion with fact, logic, and reason. Yeah, emotion emotion drives the bus. Right. And, and specifically, the emotion that we're talking about is fear of loss. And again, as, as a real estate salesperson, your entire career, you're selling benefits. You're selling benefits. That's not how people make decisions. It's fear of loss that drives the decision-making process. And tactical empathy, and again, what, what this was based on, Chris was a former FBI hostage negotiator. In fact, he was the lead hot international hostage negotiator for the FBI. And they developed this methodology. And, and empathy is the skill of making people feel understood. Yeah. Being able to articulate what someone is thinking and feeling. And until someone feels understood, they can't hear anything that you're saying. And this is the missing piece in all of sales. Think about think about this as a hostage negotiator, as a hostage negotiator, your job is to sell jail time to a highly disturbed individual. Right. It's a and tough when sell. Started, they, yeah. <laughs> when they started the day, they didn't wake up and say, I want to go to jail today. So I'm going to go rob a bank and I'm going to take some hostages. That's not what they woke up with the intention of doing. However, that's where they ended up. And so as a hostage negotiator, I got to sell jail time to someone who's very emotional. That, like you said, that is a tough sell. Real estate isn't that tough. However, it's not far behind. What you do as a real estate agent every day is you've got to sell reality to people who have hopes and dreams that are not based in reality. That's your job. Yeah. And the way you're equipped right now is you're trying to convince these people with fact, logic, and reason. Guess what? Right now, every seller is sitting there thinking about what they could have sold their home for six months ago. Or what rate they could have got by purchasing a home two years right. ago. And, uh, and on the buy side, every buyer's thinking about, I could have done this. And that's why I say we're in a wait and see market right now, because people, you know, I, again, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. We've never, never had such a sudden shift in the market. And so, you know, and, and such a big shift in the market. So, People are processing right now. That's what they're doing. They're processing. And so, so again, you're selling reality to people that have hopes and dreams that are not based in reality. 
And what we coach to is, is a framework of how to do that and how to do that effectively. It's five parts. First part of the framework, you've got to get your stuff out of the way. You've got to get your feelings, your thoughts, your desires, and put it on the back burner. It's not about you. It's about them. And you can't make them feel understood when all you're thinking about is how is this impacting me? So the first thing you have to do, take you out of the equation so you can focus exclusively on your uh, prospect or client. Second part of the equation, you have to let them fully express themselves. You have to give them the space or room to say whatever it is they want to say. Third part of the equation, once they've expressed themselves, then you have to make them feel understood. It seems like, it sounds like, it feels like. You're probably thinking, you're probably feeling. What you're targeting is a that's right response. That's what you're targeting. And when you begin studying this, you know these are, these are tools. These are based on science of mind. This is how the human mind actually operates. So third step, make people feel understood. And when you make people feel understood, it actually causes a chemical release in the body. It releases two different chemicals, oxytocin, which bonds people to you and promotes truth-telling, and serotonin, which makes people feel satisfied and less demanding. What more could you ask for in terms of communication? Once you make them feel understood, the fourth part of the process is make them think and make them think in a specific way. You make them think in terms of reality, in terms of reality. And again, different tools in the tactical empathy toolbox, no oriented questions, calibrated questions, which are what and how questions. We're not telling people what to do. We're not explaining. One of the, the great things that Chris says, and I, everyone should hear this, when you're explaining, you're losing. When yeah. you're explaining, you're losing. And so you have to resist this need that all of you have to demonstrate your expertise by telling people what to do. That's going in one ear and out the other. So make them think. Make them think in, in terms of reality. For example, pricing. Many sellers have a high price in mind right now. You would say something like this. I am not here to tell you that your home isn't worth what you think it's worth. Rather, I just have one question for you. What if, what if we do everything possible, which we will, to attract the best qualified buyer for your home? And what happens if that buyer is not willing to pay you what you think your home is worth? What will you do? And the answer to that question is going to show you, are they willing to have a realistic conversation or not? And if they're not willing to have a realistic conversation, then you have a choice to make. Do I walk away now? Do they need some more time to process? And I'm going to give it a little more time. However, you need to be clear. They're not thinking realistically right now. I want to I'll pause you for a second, because that's the really important and um interesting com uh, interesting question to ask it really lets the agent know 
a lot of information about that buyer or, or that seller in this case. Uh, you know, throwing those hypotheticals out is a really smart way to gauge where the uh, where the client is. And uh, boy, I, I I just want to pause you for a moment because that that's really an impactful question. So this idea um, Steve just mentioned was you know saying, hey, if we do everything correctly, somebody comes along wants to buy the property but they're not willing to pay what you'd like to list it at what what will what would be your response that is a brilliant question i just wanted to honor you for that uh, but go right ahead well and, and again we're listening to what the answer is because again we're not telling him you're not going to get this price you know they, they don't want to hear that we're, we're saying i'm i'm not here to convince you you're not going to get what you want I'm asking you, what happens if the best buyer isn't willing to pay you what you want? Yeah. What will you do? And their response will tell you they're either realistic or they're not. And if they're not, which is the fifth part of the framework, you have to understand if someone doesn't want your help, you cannot help them. If they don't want your help, you can't help them. Going back to hostage negotiators, they're successful 93% of the time. That's not bad, selling jail time. Pretty, ama pretty amazing. What they had to learn, though, is some of these people, they wanted to die suicide by police that day. Sure. That's why they came. And they had, and they had to quickly recognize, is this someone who wants to die by, you know, getting shot? And then they have to realize, I can't help that person. And they've got to prepare, you know, they've got to take a very different path in terms of what they're, how they're dealing with the situation, no different in real estate. If a seller isn't willing to price it, price their home at a price where it will sell, I can't help. Right. And that's where we learn to exit gracefully from the situation, not making them wrong, leaving the door open and moving on. So again, selling reality, five parts, put your stuff on the back burner, let them fully express themselves, make them feel understood, make them think in a specific way, and know you can't help people who don't want to be helped. Question for you. So if you have a seller who is unrealistic, uh, meaning they have a different price point, they think their property is worth, you've done the more objective research to determine it's you, you as the agent don't believe it's worth X. They believe it's, it, it is worth X. Um, what does, is there, how often are they able to come around? What, what do you suggest or do, do you suggest walking away at that point? Well, again, you have a, you have a, you have a decision to make. Do they just need more time to process because they might need some time to process you know, they, they, you're making them think about something they haven't thought about. And maybe in that moment, they can't make an answer. But in the next two weeks, no more than the next two weeks, based on their actions, you're going to see, are they open to being more willing? And if they're not open to being more willing, then you've got, again, what I'm going to teach you is to exit gracefully. And you would exit gracefully by saying, look, I think we have a very different opinion concerning the value of your home. And again, I'm not here to tell you I'm right and you're wrong. And, you know, 
would it be crazy to think that you might be better served working with someone who's more in alignment with where you think your home needs to be priced? So you're honoring them. You're giving them a choice. You're not making them wrong. And you're willing to walk away because time is our most precious asset. Time is our most precious asset. And you don't have time to waste. Yeah, it's, 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 a, really, it's a really good point. And, um, and, and this willingness to walk away is, is a very important move because what it, what it signals to the individual, the realtor who's willing to, to give up this client without trying to convince them, you know, Hey, no, you need to come, come, come to my way of thinking is it really is an incredibly respectful thing to do to the client and whether or not that client ends up working with you in this case, maybe they wouldn't, um, they will have a tremendous respect for you as a professional by giving them a professional answer, which is, I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're not seeing eye to eye here. And, and as a result, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, go elsewhere and I wish you the best. Um, I, I, I suspect that oftentimes leads sometimes to the, to the homeowner then saying, well, well, tell me what you think. And that th this is a great one. One of the things we coach do, don't take the bait. When someone asks you for your opinion, they don't want your opinion. Right. Let me repeat this. Yeah. Because you guys love it. You love when someone says, well, tell me what you think. To you, that's your, the, the door has been open again to demonstrate how smart you are. When they say, what do you think? What they really want, what they really want to know, is do you think what they think? Yeah. That's Can you validate their? Yeah. Right. And and so there's lots of ways to sidestep this. For easy one, price. Well, what what do you think the price would be? The way you respond to that is, it sounds like you have a very specific number in mind. Okay. It sounds like you have a very specific number in mind. And if they go, yeah, we do. And then you say, well, what is that number? And if they won't tell you what the number is right then and there, know that you are now the fool in the game. Yeah. Now the fool in the game. They are not doing business with you. However, I can still, you know, I still have a couple moves left, which is if I, so if I say, you know, tell me what your number is. And they say, you know, we want to hear from you. Say, great. Zillow, and you have to look up the number on Zillow before you go out on the appointment. Well, Zillow has your home uh, listed, you know, has your home valued at 895000 And you always say, no matter what the price is, you always say, and you're probably thinking that's too low. You always say, and you're probably thinking that's too low. And why do you say that? Because most because they are that, thinking that's probably too low, low right? Yeah. And they're going to and they're going to go. Yeah, we we do we do think that's on the low side. Now I want to go. Now I'm going to say I'm I'm going to say you're probably thinking closer to a million two. I'm going to go way high, way high on purpose, higher than I know what they're thinking. 
okay? Or higher where I'm guessing they're thinking. And when I say, you're probably thinking closer to a million too. And they're gonna say, no, 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 no. We're, we weren't thinking a million too. We were thinking more like, you know, 980,000. They, they will reveal themselves in that moment. So when someone asks me for, for their opinion, I can get around it. The other way about, the, again, first, never take the bait up front about the opinion. If they press you, what you want to do, look, if you're asking me what I think, what I think is X. However, it's not my home. I'm not the seller. And this is not my decision. This is your decision and you need to make this. So you can share your opinion. And again, it's only your opinion. You, you know, I'm not presenting it. You know, if it were me and I was in this situation, this is how I would do it. However, it's not me, it's you, and you need to make this decision. So you share your opinion, then you put it right back on them and you have to make them make the choice. One of the chapters in the book is put the responsibility where it belongs. Agents are always trying to take responsibility for decisions that aren't theirs to make. And this is what creates tremendous stress in what you do. You're all out there. You're always trying to make the client or the prospect feel good. There's something much more powerful and much less stressful on you. Make them feel understood. Make them feel understood. Don't be trying to make them feel good. You have no ability to make anyone feel good. The way you have to make people feel good now is you got to take their stress and take it on you. You know, when you, when, when you take an overpriced listing and you know it's overpriced and you take it because you don't want to tell them the truth about price, you're taking the responsibility for the price of the home and now you're taking all that stress on you. And now you're not going to get this thing sold. And a month later, two months later, three months later, you know, they're in your face. Why aren't we sold? And then you're not sold because you didn't tell them the truth up front. However, you have to be able to deliver the truth in a way that they can actually hear it. You know, Steve, what, I, what I'm picking up, and I'm sure our audience is, is, has been, been listening to you this entire time, is what, what I'm hearing a lot of is preparation. I, I, I'm hearing that throughout your entire career, whether it was with athletics, uh, with, with real estate, obviously with banking as well. But we're, we're talking about taking the job so seriously that you have answers pre ready at ready and 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 able to uh you know you're, you're thinking this out ahead of time you're doing the homework you're you're preparing and you're able to to really assert yourself as as the specialist you're not going in blind you're not just showing up uh you are showing up prepared and and i again i i suspect this was something you learned obviously uh, uh well i don't know where you first learned it but you certainly learned it on on uh on the field um how important is preparation very famous football coach, the will to win is important. The will to prepare is vital. And 
I've been, when, when I, I first read the book by Chris, Never Split the Difference, six years ago. And I've been studying this every day, all day long for six years. And you do this for a living. You have a huge competitive advantage over your clients. They do this once every five years, seven years, whatever. You need to be thinking way more about what's going on than they're thinking about what's going on. And another chapter in the book is called Get the Elephants Out Early. And what, what we mean by this is we always want to get in front of things. We don't, we don't react. We anticipate. And so you know what the objections are up front from any seller or any buyer. The first thing you do when you sit down with someone, it's what we call the cold read, and you're reading the situation. And what you're running through this supercomputer called your mind is, okay, what are they thinking and feeling? And you're paying attention to what they're saying, how they're saying it, what the body language is. It's, it's no different when I played football. Now, this was a long time that I played. And even back then, again, this is, you know, early 80s, 30 plus years ago, before every game, we would get a scouting report of the other team. And it'd be, you know, a thing like this thick. And you had to go in there and you had to memorize all their tendencies, meaning if they came out on the left, on the left hash mark at the 20 yard line and they came out in a brown formation and it was third down, I, they, I knew 48% of the time they were going to run this play, 33% of the time they were running this play. You had to, you had to commit all that. So when, when you're actually out on the field, you're anticipating, you see the formation, the down and distance. And, and so you're not just, you're, you're just not making stuff up in the moment. You're right. thinking in a certain way going in the door. So whenever you're talking to a buyer or seller, you're trying to get in front of everything. You want to say it before they say it. All of you, you've probably heard, you know, never make assumptions. It makes an ass out of you and me, right? No. You're making an educated guess and you're putting it out there. It seems like, it sounds like, it feels like. You're probably thinking, you're probably feeling. And by label, what you're doing is, again, you're trying to make them feel understood by labeling, call it labeling, what they're thinking and feeling. And labeling is way more effective than asking questions. All of you have been conditioned to ask questions. When you ask someone a question, the way the mind is structured, there's a split second where they can think about their answer. Meaning, when you ask someone a question, most of the time, you're getting the answer they want you to hear. You're getting the answer they want you to hear. When you label it, when you say you're probably feeling X, it hits the brain in a different spot and you get an immediate and honest response. Right. So open house, someone walks in the door. How are you doing? Well, they're going to give you whatever answer they want. Fine. <laughs> they walk in the door. It looks like you've had a long, long day. Oh my God, you're so right. And they, they, you, you get a different response. Now, 
Anyone listening to this are going, well, what if we get it wrong? Even better, even better. They'll tell you. (laughs) When you mislabel, when you mislabel, people love to correct other people. It actually makes them feel good. When you say, you know, this is probably a tough decision for you. And they go, oh, no, this was a no brainer. It actually makes them feel good. And in fact, you can use mislabeling when you're not sure of what's going on, when, you know, when you're having a hard time understanding, use a mislabel and you'll get an immediate response to a mislabel. So back to your question, you've got to be thinking about the situation before you get there. And most importantly, again, the bad habit that many of you have gotten into is you're never listening. You're always thinking about what you're going to say next. When the way we teach is you're paying full attention. And only when they're done talking, you're allowed to take time to actually think process and think about what you want to say next. And by the way, uh, Steve, and I'm jumping right in, I'm sort of doing the anti uh, only because because I know you're you're a train that's moving and I just wanted to jump in front of it for a quick second. But you're absolutely right. This idea of taking a moment to actually take in the information after they're done speaking, it does take time, right? We 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 want to fill in the blank spaces because it feels uncomfortable. So there's a pause in a conversation. We want to immediately jump in with some information, some facts, some some whatever, because uh, we get this anxiety that oh my gosh, there's a lull in the conversation. But I have found in in my experience in in uh, just being a, an adult in the business world is that the savviest people I know, when they hear uh, some some information, some facts, they take a moment, they take a breath, they reflect, and then they respond. Slowing things down changes the dynamic of every conversation. And when you slow it way down, then people have to lean in and listen to what's going on. And when they actually see you taking the time to think about what you're going to say, and again, this is contrary to what, you know, salespeople think that, you know, you think you need to have an answer immediately or you look (laughs) foolish. It's the complete opposite. When you slow it down and literally take 10 seconds, even longer to think about your response, they see someone who's being thoughtful about and mindful about how they're responding. And this- uh, you know, I want to, I want to jump in with a, with an example. This just happened to me. Um, I was, <laughs> I was going to see a dermatologist here in downtown Chicago. And I'm, I'm mentioning this because it was, it was a really significant uh, event. And I mean, not seeing the dermatologist, I do that every year, but I was going to see a, a different dermatologist than I normally do for this one particular thing. And, uh, I'd never seen these, these, um, the, the, it was a father son team actually. And I went into the room. Uh, I actually went into his office. One of the, one of the, the doctor's offices had the big table sitting behind it. And he says, okay, we need to, we need to talk about this, the skin thing. So we start talking about it and I, he's asking me questions much like maybe a, a realtor might ask a buyer or a seller some questions. And then and he did this exactly what you're saying. He paused, 
almost longer than was comfortable, like a good maybe 20 seconds. And if you've never sat face to face across from somebody, of course, I'm speaking to the audience, not Steve specifically. And if you've never had a 20 second pause in conversation, it is, it is not that common. And it, it made me uh, feel a, a little bit uncomfortable, but I also, at the moment I went, wow, he is really thinking about this. And he was, and he had even said, boy, in my 35 years of practice, this one's got me stumped. I need another moment. And we went back to pausing. He gave me an update halfway through his pause. And, and eventually he said, okay, I got some ideas for you. And I, I sat patiently and I waited. And I will tell you, Steve, um, I, not only was I, if, I've never had that experience with, with, uh, with a physician. Usually they're just ready with the answer right, right then and there. And, and that's fine. But boy, did I feel like, gosh, this person cares about me. Now, do they actually care about me? I don't know, but it certainly felt like it. Yeah, you just made my point. Yeah, it's 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 so important. These are these are these are really important pieces of the real estate process of being the agent that I feel don't get enough attention. The really the emphasis on you know connection, empathy, um really listening, preparation. Uh you know, you're you're you were so right at the beginning when you said you know, that the focus typically is on lead generation and lead generation, of course, is so, so important, but this idea of, okay, well, once you get the leads now, what are we doing? How, how seriously are we taking, you know, steps, step A is, or step one is getting the, getting the lead steps uh, two through 25,000 is all of the, all of the things that, that maybe we're not taught. And I, I'm, I'm assuming this is what the full fee agent is all about. This is what performancecoaching.com is. You have basically given us, our listeners and our viewers uh, on this episode, about an hour and a half coaching session, uh, which I know is providing tremendous value to, to our audience. And, and I really want everyone to think about when's the last time you, you started working on your presentation? When's the last time you worked on objection handling, not objection overcoming, but dealing with people's responses? How do you respond? Steve is for the last 80 minutes has literally been talking about step-by-step of how to be very intentional about how to communicate. We're really talking about communication. Um, and boy, Steve, uh, this this has been a masterclass in communication, but I, I apologize. I didn't mean to to stop your your uh, your flow, but I, I just wanted to make a point that that this is all about communication and preparation. Right, getting, getting back to your question about being prepared. And again, this is where I'm gonna differ from 99% of the coaches or trainers out there. The entire, and this is going to blow your mind, so sit down and buckle up. The entire industry is based on a false premise. And that premise is that you win or lose business based on your presentation. You win or lose business based on whether you're the favorite or the fool. 
And when you get that call, what's the greatest call to get in real estate? Hi, we're thinking about selling our home and we want you to come over and give us a presentation. Every agent jumps up and down with joy. They go spend two, three, four hours putting their presentation together. They get all dressed up. They drive over to the appointment. They're early. They got a big smile on their face. They go in the front door for two hours. They tell them everything you tell them everything you know. You've got your beautiful presentation. You lay it out. At the end of the two hours, they say, oh, my God, you gave us so much to think about. Thank you so much. Let us process and then we'll get back to you. And you walk out the door and you're going, oh, my God, did it go well? Did it not go well? What's going to happen for the next one, two, three days a week? You're on pins and needle waiting for the phone call and you get the phone call and they go, oh, my God, you were so wonderful and you shared such great information. However, we're going to let go list with Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. And you're left going, what the heck just happened? What happened was you were the fool in the game. You never had a shot to begin with. And we, the, my top agents, no longer go on listing appointments and they list more property than they've ever listed before. How can that be? Because we have a 15 to 30 minute pre-list Zoom call. And in that call, we determine whether we're the favorite or the fool. And in the book, we go through how you do that. And in 15 to 30 minutes, you know whether you're the favorite or the fool. If you're the favorite, you're going to go out to the house, sign them up, answer questions. You never give your presentation. And, and you get your full fee, 6%. And in the areas where you can, you're keeping three and a half and paying two and a half to the buyer's agent. Anyway. And when you're the fool, it doesn't make a difference what you say, and it doesn't make a difference what you charge. And so the real estate out there, the real estate, all of you are out there thinking you've got to work on your presentation. No, you've got to work on finding out whether you're the favorite or the fool. This is a major game changer. One of my clients today, taken 22 listings this year, been on 28 appointments. 22 times he thought he was the favorite, 22 times they listed with him and paid him six, keeping three and a half percent in a market where everyone else is charging five or less. The other six appointments that he went on and didn't get is because he wasn't sure. Am I the favorite on that short phone call, Zoom call? He wasn't sure. So he went out anyway. And so what we learned today is when you're not sure, don't go. You are the fool. So he'll save himself next year those five or six appointments that he won't go on. But again, this is an this is really incredible skills. Uh, you know, I've been doing the show for five years. You know, what we're talking about in some ways is a return to um, I don't want to call them uh, salesman tactics because they're not sales tactics at all. They're, they're absolutely appropriate and respectful conversation. But what, what you're doing is taking the salesy part out of the equation, right? You're not trying to sell the person you, because most people don't want to be sold as, as we all know. Um, but what you're really doing is you're making them an equal. So my time is valuable. Your time is valuable. Wouldn't it be amazing 
I, I mean, I'm a recruiter. I recruit realtors and uh, I can't tell you how many times I just go right into my presentation about why you need to join our firm versus the firm they're already at. And they, you know, and maybe they have an inkling of interest in, in what we do here. However, um, I, my version of that is, is are they actually thinking about switching firms or are they just taking the phone call because they want to see, you know, they're bored on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. So this is what you will learn, you know, by reading full fee agent. This is also what Steve teaches agents. I mean, his, his you know, obviously the, the, the value he's been providing on this, this episode is incredible, but this is what he does for his clients. He has clients that are doing 500 million in production, 750 million in production a year. Steve's saying in, in the next you know year or two, he has some clients that'll probably get to a billion dollars. He gets results. Um, which is, you know, why we're having him talk to you guys today. And I, I can't keep Steve on all day because he's got other people to coach and other shows to talk to, but I want everyone who's listening, if you got value out of this, and of course you did, I want you to go and pick up the full fee agent on Amazon. It's the number one book right now for real estate sales. It's a perfect five-star review. Um, it, it's written, you know, co-written by uh, never split the difference guy, which a lot of our listeners have already read. We already know how how important and impactful that book was. So I want you to go pick up the full fee agent link to that in our show notes. And I also want you to check out to see what Steve's coaching uh, services are all about at performancecoaching.com. Steve's been coaching not the last five years, 10 years. He's been coaching since 1993. This is somebody who has seen the ups and weathered the storms of the market. He knows what uh, he's been through these cycles and he knows how to coach people through the cycles. That's maybe the most important thing. Is 2023 going to be a difficult year? Yes, we know that. We, we're, we're, it's more than likely going to be a challenging year. But does it need to be an unprofitable year? Does it need to be a down year? Not necessarily, but you need coaching. You need some skills. That's what Steve does. He's skill development. He's he's about preparation, discipline, perspiration, all of that, um, but real tactical skills. So I want everybody to visit performancecoaching.com, see what Steve's all about, pick up the book, The Full Fee Agent. I mean, gosh, Let's let's stop the race to the bottom with fees, right? Let's stop uh, giving away our our commission just to be competitive. Let's let's learn how to assert our full value. Steve's book does that, and also gives you incredible actual tactical uh, skills to be able to go out into the marketplace and 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 do more business. And Steve's clients obviously speak for themselves um, with the results that that they get. Steve, I am so grateful to have had you on the show. And I know that you'd probably just continue going for another couple of hours, uh, but I'm going to uh, save you from uh, from that on our show because we can bring you back on a, on a future episode. Um, but I, on behalf of our audience, really want to thank Steve for coming on just tremendous value here. Really great. I love these kind of episodes. Um, so hopefully our audience is as appreciative as I am. I know they are. Um, and if you want to be appreciative, again, pick up Full Fee Agent and also visit performancecoaching.com. On behalf of everyone listening, want to thank Steve for coming on the show, sharing his wisdom, sharing his uh, his insight over the last 30 plus years in this business. Uh, just truly remarkable and incredible. And on also on behalf of Steve and myself, we want to thank everyone who's watching or listening and supporting our show. Um, definitely, again, check out the book, check out Steve's coaching program. Uh, 
but he gets things done and he can help you. So reach out to him and see if you guys might be a good fit. Steve, thank you so much for being on our show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. And we will see everybody on the next episode. All right.